It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being DC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King. Welcome to Crazy and the King, Quarantine Week 7. With gummy bears, like I got a, a, a <laughs> mouthful of gummy bears right now because literally I have um, I have only driven my truck twice, three times now, Julie, in uh, six, seven weeks. Uh, and so one of the runs for me was to go grab like a handful of gummy bears and Twizzlers and chewing gum and, <laughs> and all that other stuff. But I feel good. How you feel? Um. Well, like my Botox is wearing off. My what? hair needs. A little attention, but uh, we're still safe. We're okay. still healthy, and we're still kicking it. So yeah. I-, I can't complain. Absolutely, absolutely. So listen, I was going to start off by saying what's popping, Jay, but you know, I figured <laughs> because we have guests in the building, I'm going to be on that best behavior. I'm going to push that pause button. Uh-huh. I'm going to be a little bit buttoned up with a t-shirt. Uh, but I really want us to to have a great conversation. And you went out and you found two incredible voices to help us to talk about mental health. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, I, I, you know, I love talking about mental health and COVID and this whole pandemic has in an entirely new way brought to light the challenges of mental health. And all of a sudden we're seeing commercials about it. We're having open conversations and suddenly it's okay to be experiencing these mental health crises that so many of us have lived with um, both ourselves and through our loved ones for so long. And so I'm excited to have this conversation. I'm also excited. uh, I will let him introduce himself, but um, one of our disability solutions, OG, um, Kevin McCluskey is here today. And it's the first time I've been able to have someone from our team um, on the show. So that's really, really exciting for me. And Kevin and I really have been in it together uh, for the last seven years and, and we remain standing and speaking to each other. So this is kind of the next evolution of the fun we're having. Um, and so if you're ready to learn, we'll go ahead and, and bring our guests on. Well, I mean, I need it because again, just before I popped on, I pulled up an article on The Guardian and the title of the article, Jay, is Heads We Win, Tails You Lose how America's rich have turned pandemic into profit. And literally when we think about the 26 million people over the last, let's say five, six weeks that have lost their jobs or found themselves having to file for unemployment, the billionaire class has added a $308 billion to its wealth. And this is not a podcast around attacking those that are wealthy. It's not around attacking capitalism, but it is around attacking You know, people right now, when they see this headline, when they live uh, as being one of those 26 million, when you are some of the others that are just barely making it, when you think about past episodes that we've done around what the virus has done to black and brown communities, we know that mental health is being severely tested right now and tested by some that are not accustomed to it being tested by. And so I'm looking forward to having this conversation today please do us the honor of introducing the two fabulous voices that we have joining us. Absolutely. So I'd like to welcome uh, Kevin McCluskey and Michelle Weinstein to the show today. Kevin and Michelle, how are you? 
I'm great. How are you? Great. Yeah, I'm doing good. So awesome. Um, if you don't it's mind, funny, listen. I don't know. You might you <laughs> might have to speak up just a little bit, get a little closer to the mic. But but I want to do something real quick, Michelle. You have some initials behind your name: A A D C and L A D C. I need to know what the hell does all of that mean? Because if I'm gonna be talking to you, I need to know who I'm talking to. <laughs> It's a good old fashioned alphabet soup, as they call it. Um, right. But um, it just means that I'm a licensed drug and alcohol counselor, and I'm also board certified um, advanced addictions counselor. So that probably means I need to slide this cognac to the far right side of my desk right now because that may not necessarily go well. Uh, Kevin, I, I mean, hope you're you got definitely my under evaluation. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, cool, cool, cool. So listen. You know, Julie invited you all on because we really think that mental health is important. Um, and, and during this, you know, pandemic that we are in, I don't see the end of the forest. I certainly see a bit of light. Some would say that we are perhaps coming out of such. We began the recovery, if you will. I don't know what side of the camp that I'm on. I, I still feel like things are forming, if you will. Uh, but but maybe we can start with, you know, how do you and, and Kevin, you can jump in as well. How do you all look to this subject of mental health at a time like this? Yeah, I'll jump in. It's Kevin. How you doing? Um, I was going to say, like, how am I doing right now? I, I, I talked to my wife this morning, and she said that my beard had bedhead. That makes any oh, sense? Okay. okay. <laughs> how I'm doing right now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, obviously, we're in a little bit of a uncharted territory right now. Um, it's definitely having a negative effect on many people's mental health. Um, again, totally new environment for everyone. It's really creating new barriers for people already suffering from mental health, uh, illness and substance abuse as well. Um, as you talked about it, you know, that job stability, you know, people are still losing their jobs, um, business stability, small businesses, no idea really what the future holds. Um, and also, you know, my, myself, I'm, I'm at home with my wife who's working. I have two kids doing the distance learning and also an 18-month-old as well. Um, so I know we're, we're really craving, um, you know, we're, we're craving some inter human interaction with our friends and our family. Uh, and it, it's been tough. So it's, it's really experiencing some new challenges in mental health. And those who have it already are, are, are falling even deeper into it. But I'm hopeful that we're kind of on the, the, the you know, the slide towards the, uh, the positive right now. Um, obviously still staying safe. A lot of people are retesting and, and coming back with it again. Um, so I'm not really sure where we are. And I think we're all kind of feeling that as well. Michelle, where are you? I mean, are you on the camp that we have begun the recovery? Are you on the side that many more people are experiencing mental health challenges? How, how do you see the phrase mental health where we are right now? Well, you know, it's interesting and kind of, um, you know, piggybacking a little bit off what Kevin said, I think probably for the first time, at least in my own lifetime, I've seen, you know, our communities come together and not be able to sort of divide what it means to, to have mental health symptoms into a specific population or group, because I think everybody's experiencing it. And so... We see, you know, we see positives and negatives come out of that. We see individuals who who before might have carried a little stigma about what it meant to, to have depression, to have anxiety, to have lethargy, to have some of these things that we really kind of judged other people for. And now that we ourselves are possibly experiencing some of that symptomology, we see that really there's no one 
immune from it. There is no one person that is the quote unquote, you know, person or, or model for what mental illness or mental wellness looks like that it's really a spectrum and a continuum for any given person on any given day. So I'm, I'm really trying to kind of embrace this opportunity and use it as, you know, a really positive platform to promote a lot of psychoeducation around, hey, for all of those who thought that, you know, folks with depression were just not exercising enough or people who were drinking too much mm, just didn't have any self-control, you know, it's time to take time to take a look in the mirror, you know, and, and we're, we're seeing a lot of that. We're seeing a lot of people, you know, be able to look introspectively at themselves in a way they haven't before. I love that you uh, highlight the fact that a lot of people walking around in the posture of judgment, uh, being very, very judgmental of individuals. I appreciate you bringing that up, Julie. Yeah. And I agree, Michelle. I think this is such a huge opportunity for our community. And and even within the disability community, there is still so much stigma around mental health and sort of its, um, what's the right word? Its validity, maybe is the right word in our community. And I, I think that creates an opportunity to open up a whole new conversation in and of itself. But I love um, that you made kind of the um, observation about everyone is now vulnerable um, or or potentially exposed to this type of, of mental health crisis. And what I'm hoping for and, and what I'd love to hear more about is how do we create more empathy? Um, you know, as, as a person with a mental illness, I have empathy for someone who has mental illness or substance abuse because I've been there. Um, how do we create more empathy out of this conversation to help employers and, and, and colleagues not lose that understanding as we transition back to hopefully somewhat normal life? I mean, I, I mean, that's a great question because I think that, you know, as we start to see kind of at least our country reopen some parts of it, that is a big question mark for folks. Like, how are we going to be different or who is going to be different after this? What did we learn during this time? You know, um, and, you know, parts of our life were you know, very impressed pause for a long period of time. And it gives us an opportunity to really look back on that, those parts that we were just kind of going through the motions and saying, is this a part of my life that I want to return to, you know? And, you know, as far as like trying to work with employers on creating empathy, I mean, I would love to think that we could just bottle it in a jar and buy it right right next to our uh, toilet paper and Lysol. And, <laughs> um, but I think, I think. Did I hear you say Lysol? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have any insider information. Okay, I apologize. Oh, I love that. Yep. She said insider um, information. I love that. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I think the best that we can do is use this as a springboard to say, hey, listen, everybody who just went through this. And not only for folks who are isolating, you know, there's a huge um, kind of 
uh, interesting um, caregiver fatigue that is really coming about right now that, you know, we're really strongly relying on first first responders and healthcare workers and therapists. I can tell you, you know, me, myself, I, I've never been busier. I've never gotten more referrals for people reaching out for assistance and help. And as much as I appreciate the business, I would gladly you know, decline it if it meant that people were doing better, but it's not. And, you know, what I think is important is that there really is two sides of the coin here is we, we definitely need to take care of and and try to figure out how, how are we um, as a community able to use this opportunity to promote um, wellness in our, you know, day-to-day life and to promote understanding and compassion and all those things that we've been kind of saying. But on the other side of the coin, we have all these first response. I think my cons- my bigger concern is that we have all these first responders, we have these healthcare workers, the, these essential employees that at the end of this, their lives are going to be different. My life is different. I've, I'm experiencing things and feeling things in a way that I haven't before. And I think possibly where we'll see a shift is how are we then going to take care of the people who held us through this time? You know, because those, those are going to, that's going to be a population that doesn't just wipe their hands and move on. There's, you know, significant, significant work to be done there. And and that's an excellent point. I know in in New York last week, uh, there was a, an ER physician who had overcome coronavirus, who'd been back on the front lines uh, fighting to save people's lives, and we lost her to suicide this week. And, you know, when, when I hear those stories and, and we talk about having empathy and having mental health as, as a front line business necessity, right, for for employers to keep people working at their fullest capacity to understand that we are not um, single object widgets in their cog, but we are fully human, you know, beings with, with a lot of needs outside of just work. Kevin, I'd love to hear from you about, you know, what are some of the common fears and stigmas that we see in employers around mental health and and what are some of the things that you think will come out of COVID um, and this pandemic that will make asking for accommodations potentially easier for people with mental health issues? Mm, good question. Yeah. So there's common fears and stigmas. It's like, it, you know, there's a lot of companies that don't really want you to bring yourself to work, right? Um, the more diverse you are, the more inclusive you are. Uh, you're allowed to do that. And that is very good for your mental health and your physical health as well. I mean, simply asking how you doing, like um, Julie, you're my supervisor, right? We've had our disagreements over time, right? Um, but you're kind of, how you doing? You know, like, how's the family? Um, you know, those kind of questions, those daily check-ins, those weekly, weekly check-ins, um, you know, really building in some virtual coffee breaks or those happy hours, um, encouraging us to go on walks and, you know, take breaks. Um, you know, our flexible schedule is really also very helpful. So just those things that like typical, like nine to five, work, 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 no personal information should be shared. And, um, you know, those things are, I think, going to kind of go away as you're seeing there's more employers, more friends, more strangers. They're becoming more friendly and really checking in and see how everyone's doing and, and 
you know, not just work, but outside of work, just really understanding how people are doing and really get to the bottom line. And I think that's going to help productivity as well. Um, you're also going to see people working from home. They're going to, you know, employers are starting to become more flexible too. And that's another thing we've had a benefit of working from home and being flexible with our schedule. It uh, doesn't allow me to, you know, slack off. It allows me to work when I can and get be productive and also have a, a nice balance of um, a work, uh, a home life as well. So I think some of those things are, you're going to see that. That's, that's going to be the positive that's really going to come out of this is being more inclusive, being more open and simply just asking, how are you doing? You know, on a personal question, how's the work? How can I help you? You know, and to pick up, to pick up on Kevin's point, Michelle Kim uh, on Twitter, uh, you can find her at MJ Michelle Kim. She dropped a uh, tweet uh, last week and the tweet really talked about mental health and alternative things that individuals can say. And she listed about eight different things. And the one that really stood out for me was number five. It says, I'm thinking about you. You don't have to respond or talk to me. Um, and, and really what she's getting at and so many others that were in the thread, it's really a matter of making sure that we are connected to the individuals that are in our workplaces, that are on our teams, that are in our business units, that are part of our departments. That because we are so much so remote now, it's even more important for us to just do that, whether we are on Zoom, do it through email, using your Slack channel, just do something to reach out to individuals. And Julie and I have talked about it often, but to make sure that you are reaching out to people that are quiet, maybe even more quiet now than they normally would have been. Make sure that you are reaching out to them and understanding, or shall I say, ensuring uh, that they are not falling, uh, succumb to some level of mental vulnerability. Uh, Michelle, I want to go back to you for just a moment, because in the beginning, you talked about a continuum and a spectrum. And I don't want a listener to feel as if uh, Julie and I or you and Kevin are being irresponsible. We recognize that mental health is broadly defined. Um, and so what typically are we talking about in this conversation? Are we simply talking about um, periods of depression, uh, working through degrees of stress? What what are we talking about or, or more because you and, and, and Kevin are the virtuosos here and Julie, what are you all talking about? Because I don't want a person to feel like we are lumping all of mental health into this conversation. You know, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, to sort of clarify that when I talk about a spectrum, you know, I think too often we get really wound up and we get, we box ourselves in to say, oh my gosh, I've been so sad or I've been so down or I've been so anxious. Maybe I have an anxiety disorder. Maybe I have depression. Maybe I need this medication to help me. And what we have to realize is there's things that are going on in our universe right now that are completely outside of our control. And it would be atypical if we weren't experiencing those emotions and that we need to expect that people are going to feel isolated, expect that people are feeling depressed, expect that people are feeling anxious, expect that people are misusing substances. You know, a lot of the way we learn to reach out to others was taken away from us virtually overnight, right? And so we as, you know, a hu human sort of, you know, population are, are just trying to catch up to that. And so I, you know, I've talked to a few people who are like, oh my gosh, I think I have depression because, you know, and they fill in the blanks with all of these things. And I said, or could it be that you're experiencing periods of sadness, you're experiencing periods of this because of what's going on right now? And I think that's a really important point because 
we don't want to get to, you know, as a clinician, my least favorite thing to do is kind of slap a label on somebody and say, you're, you know, you have this diagnosis because A, it really doesn't mean anything to me. Um, everything is, you know, um, relative to what the person is presenting with at that time. But why wouldn't, you know, my, my challenge is why wouldn't we feel these things? And, you know, just like you had, you know, you were kind of talking about, you know, the challenge to employers to reach out to the people who are quiet or withdrawn, you know, to counter that, my challenge is to reach out to the people who are saying that they're absolutely fine. And that, you know, that that nothing's bothering them, because what we have seen statistically when folks are and not to like geek out on you a little bit, but like it's important to when we're looking at profiling people who have taken their own lives or who we've lost to suicide. Sometimes it's not the symptoms that we were expecting to see. It's not always the people who were quiet, not reaching out, who were sad, who were withdrawn. It was the people who were grinning and bearing it because they felt like they had no other option or they were expected to do so. Um, and so I always take it upon myself to kind of give my my team that I work with permission, you know, and I have to lead by example as an, as their administrator and their mentor to say, hey, listen, how are you guys doing today? Because for me, I'm having a really tough time today. You know, um, I, I'm feeling really down or I'm having a really tough time, you know, not seeing my family and it makes me really sad. How is anybody else feeling like that? Because that opens the door to say, it's okay. I get it. I'm, I'm going through it too, you know? And sometimes what we need to do is ask that, you know, allow people to give that permission and, and to ask those questions. I think that you raise a very, very good point. And I love the counter to, to my position because, you know, I'm one of those individuals who often uh, is of upbeat. You know, I'm not necessarily a bounce off the wall type guy, but when mm-hmm. you engage with me, I'm normally positive. I'm normally stayed emotionally even killed, if you will. Um, I, I, my cage doesn't necessarily get rattled. Uh, and you are so absolutely right when, when you say for us to make sure that we are checking on the other individuals that don't necessarily seem to exhibit, uh, what we would consider to be usual symptoms. Julie, Kevin, I'd love to get you all's thought because we are talking about mental health and the workplace and, in the midst of this pandemic, Julie, I love that you brought up the doctor. Uh, perfect. I was actually going to interject and you beat me to it. Perfect. 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 Um, I think about just the individuals who are dealing with the grief of, of, of death at this point, especially when it's that unexpected death. And, and I'm talking, you know, from rappers that I've followed over the years that have passed away. Uh, I'm looking at athletes. I'm looking at, uh, you know, chefs, movie stars, like we are seeing it just run all across, um, you know, just every fabric of life, if you will. How do we add that piece into this conversation, Kevin, Julie? Yeah. And I think, you know, we can, we can expand that just a little bit, Torrin, is there is the, the morning of, of a, a death, of a passing of someone in our life or important to our life and how we have to mourn outside of our traditional ways of, of receiving comfort and, and, and going through that process for a death. But I also think that it's important on a, on a lesser scale, but still important to recognize that we're in a, 
we're in a period of mourning as a country because we've lost something. And it's okay to admit that and to say, you know what, I don't have to get six pack abs during the quarantine. I, I don't have to be, you know, Instagram perfect during quarantine, but that it's okay to say, you know what, I'm a senior in high school and I've lost my senior year traditions and, and privileges and all of that kind of rite of passage that is is gone for the seniors or, um, you know, those who just really need that engagement or need that social life or need that control, that that's lost and everyone is going through uh, some period of grief right now. And, you know, I don't know what the best way is to kind of help communicate to our employees, to our friends that we acknowledge that and that we understand that what what people are going through and, and that this is going to be felt on different levels by everyone. Um, you know, Michelle or Kevin, I don't know if you can, Kevin, if you can weigh in on that, just, you know, how we can process more open conversations. Michelle, I think you had a great example, but how can we make that an everyday part of our life? No, Michelle, I thought you were going to jump in. Oh, sorry. I think she didn't hurt enough from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we go back to what Disability Solutions does. You know, we, we help employers find talent with disabilities uh, for their business needs. And on the flip side of that, our greatest resource is job seekers and employees with disabilities, right? So, um, you know, we talk about death. We talk about losing graduation. Uh, my, my son lost his soccer travel season. Um, so... There's there's grieving, there's loss in different types of ways. And, you know, one of our one of the individuals we got helped get hired into one of the employers that we work with, um, he went into this job battling depression and anxiety. And he's also a very, very, very social person. Um, so now he is also he got transitioned to a working home role and it's really hard for him. Right. So he, he again, the depression's kicking in, anxiety's kicking in even even more now. Uh, and that social aspect is a really huge thing that keeps him happy every day, going in, talking to his employees, talking to his um, uh, his uh, customers. And he, he's struggling to do that right now. It was a hard transition for him. Um, so some great resources that we maybe never tapped into before. You know, employers have wonderful health programs that you know, kind of like government um, programs. They're really good, but no one ever knows about them or it's impossible to get to them or find out the information. Um, so this individual was able to um, have his employer set up a work at home counselor where he was able to, you know, if he got depressed or anxious or anything, or just need someone to talk to, he pick up that phone, uh, pick up his phone and uh, be able to dial into that work at home counselor for 15 minutes and just talk about anything, you know? Um, and before we talked about talking openly to, you know, coworkers and friends, sometimes that's hard. So um, understanding that there are resources out there to talk to a stranger about your issues and something you're going through. Uh, I think is a huge thing. And I know our parent company, Ability Beyond, has an emotional support line for us. You know, again, I might not be comfortable talking to my boss, my, my coworkers, but picking up the phone and really talking about um, the things I'm going through these stressful times. And it just, it's very helpful. So it's really important to know those resources and, and they're limited right now. You know, sometimes we can't go to a doctor's appointment right now. So understanding those additional resources. And Michelle was talking about an example of 
how you know they're virtually things are kicking in. There's free stuff now for people to get out there who are battling mental health um, to be to get anything off their chest and do it virtually. Well, you know, you raise a good point. Uh, Psychology Today actually dropped a uh, article. I want to say last week, maybe two weeks ago, and one of the uh, data points inside of such said that due to restrictions to routine lifestyles, like the gentleman you just referred to, uh, psychosocial stress caused by home confinement or isolation could further exacerbate the harmful effects on the child's physical and mental health. And so in addition to the young man that you mentioned and his routine and pattern being changed, I don't know if we are paying enough attention to uh, the, um, I guess, the way that children are embracing uh, this this change in in behavior, in activity, in presence, if you will. Like I know some young people, <laughs> Julie. I know some young people. Like I wish the hell my parents would take their asses to work. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and some parents that wish their kids would take their asses to school. Yes, yes. Of, course, of course, of course. So I don't want us to, you know, I don't want us to to look at this conversation in a a narrow lens. I think that all of us. Um, you know, no matter how old we are, as long as we are abled, and when I say abled, you know, we, we are aware, maybe aware is a better word. Um, as long as we are aware, we, we run, we, we are susceptible. That's probably a better way. We are susceptible to the ebbs and flows of a strong mental posture. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and touring that, you know, kind of for me, one thing that I love that we do at Ability, and, and Michelle teaches a class call uh, about mental health first aid, and I don't know, Michelle, to just kind of bring us home for this uh, this pod, if you can talk about maybe just a couple of a, the benefits of having someone who can provide mental health uh, first aid, either in, in a home or a work setting, and then, you know, leave us with a couple best practices to um support people in various stages of mental illness um, during this pandemic? Sure. So mental health first aid is a international course. It was, it was developed in Australia and, you know, initially, um, but it really took flight um, several years ago when uh, Michelle Obama kind of endorsed it. And really kind of the idea behind it is it's a certification that teaches people how to help someone who's going through an emotional crisis or a psychological crisis in the same way that we go through CPR and first aid for someone who's experiencing a physical health crisis. We know that there's mental health issues in the world. So why wouldn't we have interventions and steps to help people going through them? And, you know, I've been a teacher for 11, you know, certified instructor for 11 years in this. And I, I really honestly wish that I had this course before I went to graduate school, because I think it would have saved me a lot of money. um, Because it when I'm in when I'm a licensed professional in a pinch, I find myself going back to the interventions and the basics of what I teach in this course. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a phenomenal um, resource for folks. And it actually just last year got passed that all first responders, um, EMT, um, police and, and um, firefighters to, to, to be recertified have to go through this course. So we're seeing our first responders um, being trained in a way that that we would expect because people 
especially people who maybe are going through a physical health crisis, it doesn't mean that just because they're experiencing that, that they're not experiencing the mental health piece of it as well. And we know that when we call on our first responders, we call 911, we want them to be able to support people physically and emotionally. Um, you know, my, as far as like kind of a little bit of a, you know, uh, end, end note here, one thing that I was talking about a colleague the, the other day and, and Torn, you mentioned kind of the effects on children. One thing that I think we have to be really careful about during this time is that initially there was like this kind of family bonding time that people were kind of embracing kids being home and spending time together and, you know, and it was nice and kids were out of school and everybody was excited about that. And then, you know, fast forward seven weeks and no one's excited about that anymore. Right. And we're getting on each other's nerves and parents are complaining about and, and feeling the stress of trying to co-parent um, and maintain a job or maintain a part-time job or full-time job or, you know, learn how to do distance learning. And inadvertently what children are starting to experience is that their parents are looking at them as a burden. Um, and we're so we're seeing a splurge in, in our community of children experiencing um, reactivity to their parents not seemingly not wanting them around or not being happy that they're there. Um, and I think that's an important message for parents to keep in mind that as much as we might joke about virtual happy hours and like, you know, locking the kids up in the other room and what a pain in the neck, you know, virtual learning is and all of these stressors, keep in mind that we're, we're dealing with kids and that they are not processing that in the same way that we are, you know, and that they may very well be thinking, God, like mom and dad really wish I wasn't here or, you know, it would be easier if this didn't happen. And, you know, kids have, have a way of making sense out of things that don't make sense to them. So we, we, you know, we have to, and the biggest, no one's immune to that, right? So I'm not saying that we have to, as parents, we have to be um, completely patient the entire time, but we have to allow ourselves some some me time, some some time where we can check out so that when we check back in, we can be present and, and available to the people who are around us. I think that is the perfect place to wrap up what will be one of many conversations that we have here on Crazy and the King about mental health. Um, just really quickly, Kevin and Michelle, Kevin first, can you tell uh, our listeners where to find you on social media? Absolutely. You can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, I think it's Bethel Kev. Uh, but more importantly, our website is disabilitysolutionstalent.org. We also have a career center at disabilitytalent.org. Um, hope to see you there. And I'm definitely not as cool as Kevin, so I don't. I'm not on Twitter. Don't make your life harder, Michelle. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, but again, AbilityBeyond.org um, is um, our our organization. Our website has tons of resources, not only for the people we serve, but our community. Um, and I'm happy to be a part of that organization for the many many years that I have. Thank you both, Michelle and Kevin. We appreciate you for uh, just sliding through and giving us an enlightening conversation around a subject that many would classify as being boring or off the radar, and yet you all delivered it in a way that is digestible. You made it interesting, uh, and we absolutely appreciate you for that. Before we go, real quick, uh, I wanted to leave a resource with our listeners, People Tech Partners. 
has actually compiled some amazing free offers from over 20 of their portfolio companies, uh, from employee financial assistance to remote sessions with physical therapists. Kevin mentioned that earlier in the conversation. You can go on Twitter and take advantage of another young lady that I know. She started a company titled Mental Happy. You can find them on Twitter at Mental Happy. Uh, But uh, People Tech Partners has a great list of resources. You can go to peopletechpartners.com and you can just do a quick search for COVID-19 resources. Julie, what name drop do you have? Um, I think we have to give a, a name drop to Skill Scout and Elena Valentine and Abby Cheeseman for the amazing, amazing job that they did pulling together a film festival last week of which you were the MC. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, only those cool. two would make this kind of lemonade out of that lemon. Like, wow. Congrats, ladies. Nicely done. Yeah, absolutely. It was a project that they had on their radar for a little over a year. Uh, and I was extremely excited when they brought it to me uh, for consideration to to be a part of. It turned out to be fantastic. Glad they did it. And we are going to be doing more. If you all missed the virtual film festival, head over to humans at dot work again visit humans at dot work and i'm sure they'll probably have up some degree of a recap certainly they'll have a a a message pointing you towards what we're going to be doing next real quick uh i have a name drop young lady from spain she is awesome i actually want her on the show julie uh her name is kate fabella Uh, She works with ERGs over in Spain and that part of the country. She does have some some work and some footprint here, but I think it's very important for organizations, especially those that are trying to really figure out how their ERGs, their BRGs, their affinity groups and whatever else they call them, but how they can show up in the workplace and be effective inside and outside. Her name is Kay Favela over in Spain. She's incredible. What's up next, Julie? I'm working on a couple of virtual events, one actually for you and I um, with Ben Eubanks this summer. So we're going to have a couple of times that you're going to be able to see us together for this week. I'm just I'm just hanging out, staying sane, doing all those things. What about you? Who's going to know who your guest is this week? I have no idea who my guest is, but I do know (laughs) you can tune in Sirius XM channel 126, uh, 1 p.m. every single Sunday, Sirius XM channel 126. Uh, 1 p.m. on Sunday. So in addition to listening to Crazy and the King and sharing Crazy and the King with your social tribes, you can catch me on SiriusXM. You can find Julie on Twitter at Julie Sowash, J-U-L-I-E-S-O-W-A-S-H. And you can find the kid at Torin Ellis. For now, Julie and I are ghosts. See ya. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. 
redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.